Hey everybody, it's Antoine Martel. Today I have an interesting episode for you. This is from a meetup last month, uh, April 18th, 2019 in Tustin, California. Me, my buddy, and my buddy's contractor, um, Jared Lichton, had an event in Tustin, California. And this is just a one hour long talk Q&A um, of us pretty much explaining to people how we invest out of state and how we manage contractors out of state. So take a listen. Um, and provide some feedback, make sure to subscribe. Thanks. Started with single family homes, Memphis, Cleveland, Birmingham, St. Louis. Built the business up. It's a turnkey company, so like Vince said. So we buy properties, renovate them, rent them out, then resell them as turnkey rentals. We do 100 homes a year, and I just started getting into multifamily. And there was actually some pictures of the apartment building. It just finished the renovation, but yeah. We'll finish up early and pass them around, but since, I mean, we're both real estate investors and our job is to negotiate 24-7. I bet you I could negotiate getting this place for free since the microphone didn't work and the HDMI cable didn't work. I'm pretty sure we're walking out here for free tonight. Anyways, uh, but yeah, John, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a chance to pass around pictures. He just finished up his a couple units of your 20-unit apartment and it looks really good. It just can't really see it at scale right now. <laughs> no worries. Go ahead. John Kuznick, general contractor, Cleveland, Ohio. I like it here though, nice and sunny. Uh, 38 years in the business. I uh, actually got my start in California, in Sunnyvale, California, uh, and just progressed back home over the years. Met Jared, uh, he's my partner now, and uh, any questions, feel free to ask me about the Cleveland construction. All right. Thanks for coming out, John. Yeah, for sure. So John's here for vacation. Obviously, uh, you know, it's been really, Thanks for breaking the sweat. It's shitty weather right now in Ohio. Uh, we have to deal with a lot of exterior issues and uh, you know, you're under contract on the house, the home inspection comes back, you have to replace the garage roof. You know, buyers say, I want you to do this before closing. And we say, well, look at the weather report. It's freezing cold the next eight. We deal with this crap all the time. And buyers are always very picky and they always are trying to control transactions. And in reality, they're just, you know, they got 50% of the power. So anyways, we went through a couple intros about ourselves and even though you can't really see this, the main, the main reason I'll tell you basically that uh, it excites me to do these type of meetups is because I have been actually financially and in real, the real world burned by contractors a lot. And I've been in this for, since I was 25 when me and Erica were living up in Akron and I decided that I didn't want to practice law anymore. I wanted to put my head down and actually make money on the side flipping houses. I hired a contractor, David, who uh, I've since fired uh, for you know many reasons, but I started flipping houses, just basic kitchen, bathroom, easy flips. Um, I got to the point where I realized that uh, either I, the bids weren't right or the, I was paying too much for certain things. It just didn't look right. And at the end, I was waiting too long and I was paying too much money and it was just stressful. So like, you know, all these people out there holding checks, you know, when you finish a big flip, it might be a hundred thousand plus, but in reality, there's very little profit. So got to the point where I just said, screw this, I quit my job uh, and then uh, made out here to California. Got back into flipping. There was about a year where I took off because uh, I had a back injury, and then I met John in 2017. And it was very quickly that I realized that John was a trustworthy, truthful guy. Uh, very much was more knowledgeable than all my other contractors. Uh, a lot of these guys, I guess you'd call them like fly-by-night painters, or you know, just uh, I don't know what else you'd call them. But uh, these guys make it seem like they have a very broad skill set when you meet them. And then when it comes to construction, you show up on the job site, and there's 
electrical wires hanging around. There's painted ceiling fans. I mean, stuff that stuff that I could even tell is not right. Uh, you know, it's usually breadcrumbs to a bigger issue, whether money's being mismanaged, and just for being frank, you know, either guy will take the money and shoot it right up his arm, or just totally take it and leave, and then you can't get a hold of him. I've been burned in pretty much every way you can think of, and this is you know 2013 to. 16 basically, learning the ropes, hiring whoever I could find, Angie's List, whatever. And um, you know, I got to the point where I was like, damn, this is kind of rough. I don't know if I could flip forever. And then I met John, and we just kind of built our core crew. Um, we do flips mostly in Cleveland Heights and Shaker Heights uh, on the east side of Cleveland, I, where I grew up. I grew up in Mayfield. Um, we just did a, finished a flip in Mayfield that was OK. But, um, but yeah, I don't know if, uh, John, you want to tell them a little bit about your background and kind of how you started, like what kind of experience you have. So any Allstate claims that would come through the company would come to my desk. And at any given time, I'd have about $3 million worth the uh, insurance work on my desk, uh, you know, for the guys that work with me. Uh, so I, I, I've been there, also water, I'm water certified, you know, for mold or, you know, whatever. Um, so I've been in just about every facet you could be in in construction. So this is something new, the real estate end of it. I really haven't worked with investors and or realtors much. It's the construction end really isn't that much different, maybe a little bit, but uh, I'm learning a lot from you guys, from Jared especially. I mean, he's taught me a lot, which I, you know, I'm an old guy, so I didn't think you could teach me new tricks, but he has, you know, so it's, I really enjoy this. It's something new and it just kind of, re-sparked something new in me, which I really like. Talk about, in general, finding and vetting new contractors is a very, very like popular question on bigger pockets, and it's like thrown around a lot. So like, Antoine, you want to tell people a little bit about how to find good contractors, a little bit about where you find found yours and how to work with them? Yeah, so for me, I do all rental properties. So when I am going into a new market, the way that I started, I was in college. I moved all my classes to the night time from 5 to 10 p.m. and I want, because I wanted to not get a job after graduating. And then the next thing was to, I was trying to flip houses in LA, so I was placing all these offers and nothing ever worked and I couldn't figure out how to flip in LA with just 40 grand in the bank. Um, then heard through bigger pockets, through podcasts, networking, that investing out of state was the way to go. Started looking out of state, but then it's like, okay, which market do I invest in? So you start doing all of that homework. And then, yeah, then it's building the team on the ground, which takes the longest amount of time. Um, to find a team, for me, I wanted to focus on rental properties. So whether it be single family or multifamily, the first thing for me was the property management company because um, they're going to be you know, really in charge of the property for the long term, right? You may have a renovation project or an acquisition, um, but then the property management company is going to take it from you know, month two till forever, right? They're going to be very involved in that project for a very long time. So. I brought that property management. The first thing for me to find was property management and bring them from day one all the way to the end of the life of the project. And what I mean by that is I would find a property management company. I would tell them what I'm trying to do. Hey, I'm trying to buy houses, renovate them, rent them out. And I want you guys to be the property management company forever. So they already see the dollar signs, but then you show them a property that needs renovation. And you're like, but in order for you to start making money, I need you to help me get it from point A to point B for you to start making money. So do you have any contractors you can recommend? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, guys, seriously, this is pretty like informal. If you want to leave and go to your family or whatever, or ask a question, like by all means, so go ahead. So how do you find your property manager? And I was going to ask, ask, and I'm sorry, John, 
thank you for coming out. Sure. Appreciate it. I'm in, I'm going to be in Ohio in two weeks. So Give me a call. I would love to. I'd love to take you to dinner um, on me. But what, what I want to know is like, it's going to actually be the same question for both of you. So how do I find, is there something like the National Association of Property Managers? How do I find a good property manager? And then the same question to you, John, is how can I vet, other than say Better Business Bureau or Google reviews or Yelp reviews, how, is there anything, like for attorneys, we have Martindale Hubble. That lets you know, hey, this guy's the gold standard. Do you have something like that in your industry that one that's new can say, hey, okay, at least somebody's vetted them up to a point? You want to go, Antoine? Sure. Standpoint, no. It's a shot in the dark. My guys don't even have a Google or a Facebook page because they're busy working. So you can't even call my contractors and hire them for a yeah, job because they're Facebook? busy doing no. my project. No. I have to tell you, I have business cards. It's the first time I had a business card, and I can't even tell you how many years. I've never had one. I just didn't need to. I don't. You know, I, very few people have my yeah. phone number. And I would definitely say, yeah. Yeah, I don't want people to have your phone. I mean, and originally when we weren't like partners, I was like, yeah, you know, this is my guy. But I would say uh, other investors, like to a point, like you can easily find like other good window guys and paint, like, but a general contract, somebody who can manage other people, managing people's tough. So like, a spe maybe like for a rental project that just needs carpet, paint, basic stuff would be the easiest one to like almost test somebody. Have you ever like, Antoine, like tested, like given someone a nap bat and like, yeah, so I'm going to show you a picture of what we do. And it, and sometimes it's like you don't even need it to be that detailed because, like, if, dude, if, you're, if you've done something, 15 projects with someone, you don't want them to waste time writing up an estimate. You say, hey, how much is it going to be? Sometimes it's just an email. If you have familiarity with people, like, am I right? Like, how much familiarity do you have with these people? Like, now I'll close on a deal with a text message over 20K, and then you close. That's yeah, it. I mean, I've, I've done that. But doing, but doing the first... Yeah, the first one, I mean, if you're first time working with a contractor, I want the most detailed thing you've ever seen. Right. Yeah. And then you can nitpick. I have a hard time finding contractors that will give detail like that. So I'm just curious, is there a trick? Or, is there, and that's my question for you, John. Is there something that you want to see from an investor that says, this guy's serious enough for me to put 10 hours worth of time into it? So we, if it went legit. <laughs> no, we've been dealing with that, you know, the past couple of months. Uh, you know. Yeah, so here's our estimate. This is just a piece of it, but you can see it draws out. So what I do is I, I put in your zip code, and that's how my estimate is generated it, for the labor burden and for the materials based on a zip code. It's software that the insurance industry used to estimate uh, materials and jobs. Oh, so, yeah. so one zip code, the estimate will be higher It depends on your zip code. So is labor that much more in a... You know? It varies, yes, I mean, it does. Well, you know, like in the Cleveland area, I could put in like a suburb and it'll still come up the Cleveland area. So it's more genera generalized to, yeah, but you, I, I mean, as you go further out, you could put in, uh, you know, a, a specific zip code and it will break it down, but it uses Home Depot pricing and it updates it quarterly and it, it, the the labor is based on the on that actual zip code in that area. So, so the reason we've been running with the software is because um, you know you asked me about you know how what what do you look for in an investor like what what do you, as a contractor what are you looking for and this guy you know be straight up has been asking us to do this construction on a eight unit apartment building. It's in Cleveland, you know, it's in an up and kind of fringe area, but it's a big project. It's like multiple hundred thousand dollar project, and it's not cheap. And 
if we don't trust the person and you know, if we're going through negotiating with somebody and we ask them for something, like, hey, we just kind of want to know where the money's coming from, which is a pretty typical question that we're starting to ask other investors. Like, is it just a construction draw? Like, are we going to be waiting on like a hard money lender to go do an inspection just so we can get paid? That's not good. We want to know that there's going to be money to pay, pay our guys because like, we're not a bank. You know, we can't be fronting money. And typically, you know, we, the HVAC guy is 50% up front, 50% at the end. He wants to be paid in, instantly. So. So familiarity, like trust is a huge thing. And I've learned like, it's just so key to be able to trust the other person. So like from a contractor standpoint, you know, we look at it as like, if you, even if you lie to us about something silly, and if you lie to us about something that like doesn't really even matter, it's like bread come, so like a bigger problem. Like if you tell me like, oh yeah, you know, I closed on this last year and like I just hired this guy. And then we go to the project and he said, oh, I've been working with this guy for years and like just, you really have to be in tune to what sort of details people are telling you, because if you're not, you know, it's, you can very easily tell that someone's either just not right or, but that's not to say about this particular issue. It's just, we want to make sure that we can get paid. That's, and, and on their end, they want to make sure that the work is getting done. So it's like a constant kind of thing. And it's hard because it's the first time we're working together on a, you know, six figure project, it's expensive. So we want to be comfortable with each other. And it's, it's just like how we met, you know, we sit down, we talk, talk for a little bit, you learn about their families or their, their work history. Have they worked with investors before? You know, that's a big deal. So getting to know them. So you had a, you had a form going around for everybody's name and email, yeah. right? So that would be one way for you to get these slides out to everybody. So that way you get all their information. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. So yeah, I'm going to send you guys these slides. Like I can't really go through them. But yeah, just make sure you sign the sign up sheet. Uh, did everyone get a chance to sign it? Yeah, yeah. If you want those slides, just email me. We'll have all our information at the end. But um, you got a couple of. So, so yeah. So I was at, I was I went to the apartment association event in Los Angeles two days uh, yeah two days no yesterday in Long Beach, and one of the one of the vendors it was actually kind of cool. They listed spec sheet of hey this is. If we're going to replace this, yeah. this is what we want. You know what I mean? Is there something that, I mean, obviously it's going to matter region for region and all that stuff, but is there something like that that's out there that for materials? For material, when I, when, when I actually write the estimate yeah. or, well, yeah, this program, what I could do is I could break it down and give you, uh, break it down by category. So demolition would be maybe 10% of the job and it's X amount of dollars. It breaks everything down by category. I could break it down per room. Well, how much you're putting in per room. I can give you your actual budget and show you what your actual budget is. It shows you all the numbers. It gives you labor breakdown per square foot. I could break it down however you want. This program is the same program that most insurance companies use over the United States. If you have a fire or water damage, it's the same program. So this is the same thing you would have them write an estimate if they're gonna to come to your home God forbid, and with the water damage or a fire. So this would be this is the exact same program that I use. Maybe, unless it sounds weird, so it's, I'm always thinking about business. So yeah. Would you, because you're in Cleveland, right? Right. So you've got property in Missouri. Sure. But let's say I want to rehab the property in Missouri. Would you guys, your construction company, charge me a consult fee if I said, hey, look, this is what I want done? Right. You're going to sub it out to somebody can else. You, can, well, yeah. can you give me an estimate? Like, just. Yes. We, yes. Isn't who, who, who was here? Who is Kyle? Kyle. He's not here. He's not here. He left. 
I was going to, I may go to Connecticut and do the same thing for him. I'll write the estimate. I'll need all his information and then I'll go there, spend a few days, do my measure, do everything, you know, I can, and then come back, put all that into the computer and then come up with his estimate and base it on whatever he wants. I mean, they may have a, he may have a Verizon store going in, so I'll, I'll get the plans and, uh, you know, try to work that into the estimate for him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so yeah, consulting thing is like an option so this is a national base program that I can use. I could put that zip code in yeah. and I can go there and, and come up with an, with an estimate for yeah. you. Sounds like yeah. You know, a lot of actual money for you, especially if I'm like in a different state where you're not yeah. in. And I, I'm willing to pay some money for your expertise to say, hey, look, Vince, this is the guy's bid. Pretty good. It's righteous. And that gives me my peace of mind. It gives you a starting point. Yeah. So when you're out there with the general contractor, that's actually going to run it. And then for his subs, you know exactly what it's going to cost before they even give you their estimate. Because you want their estimate also yeah. to see. That's a good thing too. Antoine, can you go into how you kind of deal with that with investors, especially new people? Like when you first start working with people, negotiating materials, like, because you kind of know what materials you're putting into, right? Yeah, because all of our, the quality of our renovations, no matter what city, is going to be the same. So. Kind of what I did is I, I recently got into St. Louis. I did a four unit building there like a couple years ago, but then I just started doing the single family. And then they, somebody wrote me a bid and I was like, your bid doesn't make any, Memphis is a three hour drive. How are the costs three times the price, right? So I knew what the cost should be because I had done all these projects in Memphis. So I just showed them a screenshot of, you know, sent them all the bids. I'm like, there's 15 bids where the cost is this. Why is yours, you know, so much higher? And you know, you may not have that experience, but you can bank on, network with people on bigger pockets, ask them how much it's supposed to cost, or go out to that market and network with a bunch of different people to ask them what that should be or what, how much it should cost. If you have a property management company, again, they're gonna know the cost of everything. So if one person's, if the contractor's telling you something, banking against the property management company and say, hey, why is this HVAC, you know, 15,000 uh, bucks? Something's wrong. How'd you say you found that property management company? Yeah, I remember those. So property management companies, the way that I've found them has been just booking a flight four weeks out and then calling every single, go on Google, say St. Louis property management, and then just cold call every single one of them and say, hey, I'm coming to St. Louis in four weeks. I'm a California investor. This is what I'm trying to do. do you want, I'm coming in four weeks. Do you want to meet for coffee or lunch or whatever? And then it's not really, so the way that I chose my property management company was whoever I got along with the best, whoever I felt like I could talk to every single day, not just who had the biggest company. There was plenty of guys who had 3,000 doors under management, but they were just older guys who you know, were on their way out of the company and their son was gonna take over or something like that. So I found property management companies that had less than 500 doors that were young and hungry and they were like, yeah, or 26 or 28, but that was like part of their growth plan. And it was more like, I'm gonna do a house a month with you and that scaled up to 10 houses a month. And now I'm help, kind of help, they're helping me grow. So you're growing together. Whereas if you're working with a huge property management company, you're just a number on Excel spreadsheet. Um, and they're not gonna hop in when shit hits the fan. I can call my property management company. They'll come and fix it because I am that kind of client now. What are like the skill sets you look for in a property manager? Like. Like bare bones, like what are you looking for? Like besides uh, trust? A good property management software and then at least one or two property, 
at least one property manager for every 50 to 100 doors. So there's only so much that, no matter how hard you work, there's only so much one person can handle. Um, 100 doors under management, somebody who's young and hungry, who has a good software to back them because it's gonna save them a lot of time. And then the ability to hire other people to manage those properties as they come up to. What's good property management software? Um, I've, the best one that I've seen is Appfolio. But just some people are like, you know, do their property management on a Google spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I personally don't like Propertyware or Appfolio. Yeah, so those are the two. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, I, no, I'll say as an investor, I don't like Appfolio because as, a, as, an, as an owner, I don't like it because the property manager has all this control over it and they, they can decide what to show and what not to show the owner. Yeah. And the owner, I'm not, I haven't seen it, I don't see as much as I'd like to. So I, I guess maybe I'd like it more if the, if the property management company showed me Yeah, yeah, and it's hard for them to, the issue with those softwares too is they don't take their side as well. Right. So they're like, we sent you this, what the hell did you get over there kind of thing. So I've sat down with property management company at a meeting or whatever, or shared my screen and be like, here's what I'm seeing, I wanna see these kinds of, so when you're first getting started, yeah, cause the accounting will be all whack and it won't make sense. But then you sit down with them and they show you why it came up. So it, there's some growing pains for sure when you start off, yeah. Uh, just a brief question. Uh, I know a lot of contractors they provide materials. Do we provide the materials if we hire you guys? Is that something you work with or is that, is that you know, how do you guys work with that? Well, the only, I think John's really only worked with an investor with me. You were in, with Allstate for a long time. They told they had materials. List, right? The only reason I'm asking is because I work before with contractors and I got very, very few. Sure. Of course. Well, my right. subcontractors, I always sub the labor. Except for maybe my HVAC guy. He's, I've, he's worked with me many years, 15 plus years. So I will pay him, you know, upfront 50% or whatever it is. But if there's a contract, a subcontractor that, you know, I just recently met, past three, four years, I will just give give them the labor portion. Uh, I always I always purchase materials because if I have to give somebody a third and that's a portion of that is materials and labor, even if they walk, you know, because they have an alcohol problem or a drug problem or whatever, for whatever problem, at least if I just give them the labor, I just have that small portion because I base it on what they can produce. So in the first week, if they do, you know, $1,000 worth of work, no problem, here's $1,000. But if I have to also give them materials and they walk, then they still have my material money. So I like to keep it back. I like to control the materials, me personally, always. You like to buy materials? Yes, I like to control the materials, yes. Especially for like, right. you know, when we're looking at doing like, you know, four unit, four unit apartment or something. Yeah, like it's a lot of material. You know, and if I buy in volume, like kitchen cabinets, you know, I get a, I get a great deal on kitchen cabinets. Um, you know, so if I was to sub that out, of course they're gonna wanna put their 10, 20, 30% on top of it, where I have that power right now because I buy all the cabinetry. Same for our apartment building too. When, we, when I was under contract, I walked every single unit and I counted which one needs new flooring, which one needs new blah, blah, blah. Then as soon as three units went vacant, then I went, bought all the, for all those units that needed the flooring. So I have a little basement space in the apartment building. 
we use the tile neat flooring and the bathroom, whatever, but then we have, we bought them all in bulk, like you're saying. Yeah. Cuts your cost way down. And your trips too. Cause then you can tell the contractor, go pick it in the basement, go bring it up to the whatever. Buy a kitchen cabinet from Home Depot. You might get two from this one. I have to go across town to get the other one and then across town again to get. That is one of the biggest time wasters with what we do. And I'm sure you see, I mean, guys going back and forth to Lowe's or Home Depot, it's like, that is a lot of time wasted and not only time for your project, but time that you might be paying people. For appliances too, cause we, we bought all new appliances for the units that were vacant. So we waited until there was some discount on a, like a Monday or a Tuesday, and then we bought all three at the same time and then had them delivered. And they were all on the same delivery date. So nobody has to drive around, it's just show up on this day. We've been buying them at Best Buy. Best Buy's been really good for us, actually. Yeah, and they have like an account manager there. She like, she'll call you, she'll call you and say, hey, look, like we have a delay that's going here. Like, for whatever reason, this Best Buy has been really good for me, I don't know. No, well, for flips. I mean, like I said, me and Antoine do different things. I mean, where, what do you what do you buy? I'm curious. Like, I, I buy from a guy named Big John. <laughs> Big John yeah. used appliances, but he sure. gets new stuff also. Huh. I don't know where it comes from. Well, probably yeah, with scratch or yeah. dent, you know. <laughs> yeah. But. It was stolen out of one of your units. But, but. Yeah, we haven't had any break-ins or anything. Interesting. Yeah. Well, here's what I do. Um, when I do a flip, and these are, I mean, we just sold a flip for like 270. Like, that's a lot of money in this neighborhood. It's a big, it's a big problem. We put a lot of money into this house. And the end buyer is typically like, you know, top of the, so, so I have all the warranty sheets. And I was like, hey, if you buy this house, you're gonna get, you know, three-year warranties on all your appliances. You can't get that from Big John, right? So you're, you're almost selling people comfort and trust with a flip, whereas like, if you've got someone moving into an apartment, they're not gonna care if, you know, black or white appliances, you know, have been used multiple times, as long as they're clean and look nice, you know. How much do you pay? That's like a really good, for a set, like a full set. Of, full set would be like a thousand bucks for apartment size. Yeah. yeah. Black or white. That's totally yeah. different. Like the microwave range, yeah. and then you get a bridge for a thousand bucks. Yeah. So like, one of the things I definitely wanted to touch on was like, I was like, uh, how to really make sure that stuff's getting done on time and how much how much stuff should take. Like, so for you, you buy something for 20 grand, you need to do kitchen and bathroom, like some exterior work, whatever. How long, like timeline, do you usually have on, on them? And like, how do you make sure that work is getting done? Do you get pictures? Like, how does that work for you? So for us, a good way to look at it is, is the contractor should be spending anywhere from five to 10 grand a week in terms of their burn. So $20,000 project, three week project, $20,000 project should be two to three weeks. So that's kind of how I look at it. And if a contractor you know, gives you a 20 grand budget, they're like, oh, it's gonna be 90 days to do this budget. Something's wrong with that. What was your other question? Um, I don't know, let's let John keep, cause I, I know you can touch on that a lot. Well, I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little different for me because all my guys have worked for me 15 plus years. So they know what I'm looking for. <clears throat> they know how I am. Uh, so I never have to babysit my guys. It would be a, <clears throat> a subcontractor, but even my subcontractors have been with me many years. But like uh, new, we had our electrician who's pretty new. We kind of had to like- Yeah, I have a little bit of trouble with my electrician. However, you know, he, he went on vacation and he put one of the guys in charge and it so happened this guy really stepped up to the plate. And uh, so when Abner came back, I said, I like you, Abner, and I like,
that you're very thorough and you're you know good company. He's got uh, really good rapport with the cities and all the cities like him, all the uh, in building inspectors. So I said, but I'm sorry, I just want to deal with Scott. And so now I deal. Scott is on every one of my jobs by beck and call, and that's what I want. Because if I need something done, I want it done right now. I'm not going to wait two weeks or whatever. I want it done now. And Abner always kind of put me on the back burner. He's the owner. He's allowed to. But he almost lost our contract with him because we have a lot of work. And I can keep, can keep one electrician busy probably, could probably two electricians 40 hours a week. That's how much work we have. Uh, so, you know, and I wasn't get, getting that attention. And so I almost let him go. But now he gets it. But all my other guys have been with me many years. Uh, so I don't have trouble with them. Monica. Oh, yes. Yes. Sure. Sure. I mean, it, 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 I guess it would depend on the size of the job weekly uh, or, you know, every other day. I do, I do send texts, I do send photos, um, you know, depending on, on the investor, whatever they would, however they want me to report back to them, I don't have a problem. Uh, I don't let any of my guys report back to anybody. I do all that. I take care of it. Uh, Jared, you know, we talk from sunup to sundown and, and beyond. So, you know, we, we communicate very well. We're, we're trying to build a, build, build a big business. You know, I, I, you know we, we, were, we were just doing stuff for me when we met almost two years ago. Yeah. And now we're doing 50-50 flips with other investors. You know, something gets under contract. I posted, I got two deals this week. I put them on Instagram. Investors are asking me about it. So it's like, you know, getting 50-50 things done. And now when we're looking at doing stuff for other investors, it's like, you know, we need to keep the machine rolling. And until we get him either an assistant or like, you know, Antoine could definitely be able to tell me like how to hire like a project manager. I'd rather hire some young hustler in Cleveland who's like new, wants to learn about real estate. Cause like, I'll tell you, it's, it's is, yeah, anybody can take photos, text people, make phone calls for you, call the city, pick up materials. I mean, if you order materials, you just need someone to go pick it up. That's like two, two thirds of the battle, you know? So like finding someone who, who's young, like who wants experience like i'm sure if you post on bigger pockets there's so many keyword alerts set up like if you typed memphis you know real estate investor or california real estate investor investing in memphis wants to hire a kid to whatever there's so many younger people 18 19 who are you know what under the years or whatever would, are interested and would learn a lot from the experience and you say hey i can't pay you 20 bucks an hour but i can give you this or equity in a project or something to take care of stuff for me so but the way know, that's that, possible. Yeah, the way that I've done it, I've put ads on Craigslist and said, hey, I need somebody to go drive by this address and take photos of this before I pay out. So you can have somebody drive somewhere for 20 bucks and take a photo, send it to you. All right, cool, now I can pay out my contractor. Yeah. But also I'm like very upfront with the contractors I do hire with the property management. So, hey, property, because I have the whole system, right? But if I'm just dealing right with contractors, I would be very upfront, be like, hey, I am an out-of-state investor and I do want weekly progress reports, I'm not gonna send you money until I see the work is done and the before and after photos. And we, have, we haven't really had to ask for that. Like our HVAC guy, uh, there's a GC, but then we have like all the special guys. So the, GC, the 
HVAC, the electrical, they'll take before and after photos without even asking, send to the GC, the GC sends it to me, or sends it to the project manager who sends it to me, and then we pay out. So, but there's a million different cheap ways that you can get somebody to go take photos. Uh, you can also hire a professional inspector if you want to get really crazy, um, but that's going to cost you just more money. And you can have an inspector go out there every week, every other week to make sure, and it's only going to be for the first project or two, and then you're going to be comfortable, and then you're going to sit back a little bit more, and the bids are going to get a little bit more clean, and then, yeah. So the first couple projects are scary. So you don't give them upfront money for material? Yeah, you do. So normally for our projects, since they're small, it's going to be 50% upfront. For some bigger projects, it'll be 30% upfront. And that's just, you got to take the hit eventually. Yeah. And just making sure that that person is thoroughly vetted and you've, they've answered all your questions and you feel comfortable with moving forward. Um, and that the project manager, whoever's referring them, has used that person in the past. A lot of the contractors that I've hired have done work on the person who referred it. They've done work on that person's personal residence before, and they've done many of projects. So take time to find out all about the contractor. Take as much time as you need. That's the best thing I could say is check out his work, all his references, the way he writes an estimate. Does he have insurance? Is he bonded? Um, take all those steps. Very important. <laughs> I know, right. Do they have a website or, you know, call, get some of their cu recent customers, get their phone numbers and, and talk with them. Um, yeah, right. For me, yeah, I, I asked the property management company, what kind of work has this guy done for you guys before? Yeah, here's some photos of the work that he's done. So it's not even, again, that's you in the contract, in my opinion. Because you can say certain things to property management company and they can relay that information in a different manner. Yeah, and see, for me, that wouldn't work. That's just another layer yeah. that wouldn't, would not work for the way I operate, okay? Because I like hands-on with the investor or the people that I'm actually working with. I like the hands-on. Um, so two different ways, two yeah. different styles. But his style, your style is, you know, absolutely a great way to go to protect to protect yourself. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I had to wait for a management company to say, okay, I can give you uh, $50,000, I would not work for that company ever again or that investor because I want to know if I'm running this job and I'm on a time limit, I want to know I've got X amount of dollars coming in constantly. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is by photos and updating you constantly. And that's how we, we progress. This is a really good, this is a really good topic to get into. Cause honestly, a lot of investors, they'll start working with the contractor and they're getting, they're having problems with them and it's their own fault. And it's like, they're new and they're having problems with people. And they're like, why, why am you know, I have a shitty contract or whatever. I mean, John, why, t tell these guys why it's good to work with, or at least when we started working together, why was it good to work with me from an investor standpoint? Like what, why was I easy to work with? Well, first of all, Jared said something to me and he followed when I, first met him it was something very small but he followed through on it and he made good on his word and from that day forward we just clicked I don't know what it was but we clicked and uh, anytime I tell Jared we need X amount of dollars it's always always there and I have it and our jobs just continuously turn because the money is always there 
but we communicate daily, like I said. It doesn't have to be that way with other, other investors. That's just how Jaron and I do things. But the, I never, there's never a hiccup when it comes to money, ever. My guys, my guys do get paid once a week. Subs depends on what they're doing. But my people are paid, and we just keep things rolling. Hey, it's constant. Guys, these guys work for us. I mean, we have almost 10 employees now. Yeah. And we probably will have twice as much by the end of the year. Like, they depend on, they're paycheck to paycheck. It is yes. an emergency if, we, if they don't get paid. Right. It is a real emergency. And so... We, you know, they're not that bad. I mean, my guys are, they're not drug druggies or alcoholics or anything like that. But I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the way life is, you know, in Cleveland. Property management will have that for you. And that's why they get paid to do that. So to deal with the tenant, but also to deal with the tenant's maintenance requests. Maintenance requests will come through at Folio. They'll send it to you and say, hey, this broke at the property. I dispatched contractor. And they have those maintenance handyman on call. And they're typically they're driving around all day repairing stuff. Depends. I mean, like, can be anywhere from. 50, like we, the property management company will normally set a budget for you on a per incident basis. So if something is less than two hundred bucks, they'll just repair it and put it on your bill. If it's more than two hundred bucks, they'll give you a phone call or email to get approval. So it helps speed up the process. But I mean, you can most of it's just like. The plumbing under the kitchen sink is leaking and they went and had to fix a knob or tighten something. Then they just charge you a, a drive fee or something like that. And there's no, maybe there may not even be material involved, but just somebody needed to go and fix something at the property. So it really ranges. It could be 10 bucks, it could be 200 bucks or more, depending on what the thing is. Yeah, way different. Yes, yeah. So property management. One. <laughs> yeah, from out of state. Yeah, but they're just taking the bill and giving it to you. They're getting paid to collect rent, manage the tenants, manage if the lease out. So if the tenant, if the property goes vacant, then they're going to have a contractor go and renovate the property. They're going to retake photos then they're going to relist it. When the tenant's lease is up, they're going to handle renewals on a monthly basis. The tenant Well, actually all property managers have to have their real estate license, right? In most states? Oh, some states? Yeah, somebody in the office has to, to, to sign leases and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, good. Exactly 25% less. Or it was 10,000 versus 12,500 less. So they just tack on 25% on top of the bill. Hmm. Um, 
and they, they and they were up front. They told me after I uh, I confronted them on it, they're like, we have charged twenty five percent off everything. Hmm. So at least they're honest. Yeah, they were, they were honest, <laughs> but now they're trying to charge me sure. brand for a bunch of windows. Damn. Yeah. Do you have a question? Um, yeah, but do you remember? Can I answer what she said? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, like go for it. Go for it. You got a good property manager. That's the best fucking money you spend. You don't have to think about it. They handle it. It's. I don't want to think about it. I want to worry about my job. I want to. I mean, it's the best money you spend yeah. if you've got somebody good. I've got a lady in Missouri that I wish I could clone and mm. put her all over where my other properties are. And she's worth every penny, and I don't right. think twice about paying her. Right. And I can't wait till Thanksgiving comes around where I can give her some gift cards. Yeah. My question that, uh, tapping onto what you said about you guys are probably so busy that you can hire an electrician potentially. Mm -hmm. This is for you two. How many doors is it going to take for you guys to create your own property management company that it makes worth? Well, I or did is it not worth it. Not going to be worth it. Before Antoine goes, I mean, he's in four different markets, so like, I don't know which one. What are you mostly active in, Memphis? Memphis. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, it's probably easy for you just to stick with the same people because you're not there. Like you, like you know? I just found a property. My company management companies don't do enough charge. Really? I, they send me the bill, so I see the invoice, and then nice. the invoice goes. Yeah. Okay. I don't have that. Um, I, so like. Before you do it yourself, I guess? No, so, like you said, I would rather clone the lady. So, my property management company is small, too. So, it, a lot of weight falls on, like, one, two, or three people for the property management company to work. It's not like they have 2,000 doors and it's a whole team of people, right? So, for me to bring it in-house, I would probably never do it unless I just bought that. I would just buy the property management company, rather, because it's about the people involved. I don't want to go and take a risk and move... <laughs> 300 doors to a new new lady I've never worked with. Have you seriously thought of that with some of your people? Uh, not yet. Well, not yet in Memphis, but yeah. yeah. I could see it being an up possibility. Yeah, you'd have to have like a couple like a couple hundred units. But like it's all about money cuz we have a handyman. Like I was I wanted you to elab like I'm um, Bob. We have a guy that can finish. Yeah, he's more than a handyman. He's actually one of our finished carpenters, but he does very well on a punch list. Uh, punching out the final phase of a job once we have a home inspection he's extremely good going back and correcting anything that might be on the home inspection which I like to have a clean report uh, but there's times where I'm picking up work on some other projects that Jared had with another contractor we have 38 pages that we have to correct so Bob is very good at going that he's got a van he's got little a little bit of everything in his oh, van cool. he's got everything he's set up and I just set him on, you know, if we, if Jared's selling a house or whatever we're doing at the time, he'll go and close it out for us. Yeah. Uh, While we don't have property management, I think it's, yeah. We have one guy who's like a floater. You know, we don't like, pull, we don't, especially John, doesn't like pulling guys off properties. We have had guys that have been working on the same job for two weeks. And when I have my roof that I have to replace because it's on the market and the buyers want a new roof, I'm like, well, I don't really need to do that, but I'm going to do it just to close the deal. Um, now I have to pull guys or at least get our roofer down there and that stalls the other job. So I don't like having to pull guys to other stuff. That's why we have certain guys with different skill sets so we can kind of move around a little more than others. But, you know, we don't have the capability of collecting rent, but if we're, you better believe if we're doing like a 10 unit apartment and two or three of the tenants are complaining about, you know, stuff, like if, if we're in charge of that job, yeah, of course we can send 
you know, one of our guys in there to do repairs. And typically a property management company is probably not going to get involved until, you know, it's tenanted fully. Um, so, you know, there's things that we could do that I could foresee that we would be able to take care of on the job site um, if we were involved in a multi-unit project. But like, I would never think about bringing in my, I would just keep working and get that property manager as busy as possible because it might cost you more money to buy the company rather than to just work with them. Because then they got to get salaries and insurance and God knows if they mess up, then you're liable now because it's your company. So I've definitely felt that on the construction side. So it's a good question though, really good, really good question. Hard to find good handy. Yeah. Say that one more time. Well, I'll tell you the construction is probably more expensive. <laughs> construction is way more expensive. We don't have cheap labor. That's the best way I'll put it. We don't have cheaper labor up there. You can't go to Home Depot, pick up 12 guys and have them work, you know, with no paper trail. Um, but I mean, I would say it's a little bit more expensive in Cleveland, but the real estate prices, I mean, Antoine should go through like why cash flow numbers are more attractive just because the rents way more cover your mortgage than they would in LA. The rents, you know, are about even. And when Antoine can fix up a house and rent it out for 900 bucks and the mortgage is going to be $450, you know, that's what $450 profit. It's like, it's crazy. So like, you know, making 450 bucks in a house, that's like the goal. That's, you know, why people, 
Cleveland was on decline because LeBron left. Yeah, it was. Temporarily. See, he left for four years and then he came back for three. So. Yeah, so. Yeah. Go ahead, Czar. Yeah, I mean, for us, like, it's a matter of, it's not a matter of, like, scalability. It's just, like, if the money's there and we trust an investor, like, John will get the guys there. It's not, I mean, how many, how many people do you know that are, like, ready to go? Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not a problem for you to get the money. It's like, No, I mean, as long as John has time to go out and estimate the project and give you, you know, the, the bid on Xactimate, as long as he has time to go out, to measure the home, bit, you know, give you the estimate, you're comfortable with it, you go back and forth, you say, okay, these are the materials we're putting in. And we had five of those, especially because Antoine does it all the time. I mean, how easy it is for you to buy materials because you're doing the same, same flooring, same paint, same everything in apartment units. That would be way easier for us, but you know, it, it, just, it just depends on what type of project. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable if we're going into like a bad area because there are bad areas in Cleveland where we, we, I can't send. He has a two, 2017 Dodge Ram. People are going to mess around. And I've had tools stolen before. I've had subs. I've hired subs who have stolen my general contractor's tools. Like these guys, are, they don't give a shit. They, <laughs> these guys, they don't care. But you, you know, after a while, you realize where the good areas are, and I will not send my, that's one thing. I'm very protective. These, you know, they're like, you know, they're my employees, but like I'm very protective of their well-being, and I don't send them into places where I, where I wouldn't, me and my wife wouldn't feel comfortable walking around in the middle of the day. C areas, fine, whatever, you know, not that great, but like the C and B areas, B minus, C plus areas in Cleveland, like, you know, Garfield or Maple, they're really, really good cash flow. So like, it's very popular for like a lot of investing, surprisingly, to be done in those like, you know, middle of the road areas, blue collar, a lot of blue collar mixed demographic areas. But like, you know, we're in like A, you know, very much like A and B neighborhoods doing flips. You know, I'll buy something like my, run through the numbers real quick. The two deals that I got this week, one was from a wholesaler for 75,000. It's on a street that I have five other properties like right around that area. So I sent John there. He estimated it. it's probably going to be about $40,000, $45,000 rehab, and it's worth one seventy. I can do those numbers in my head because I'm familiar with the neighborhood. But, you know, I don't even remember where I was going with this, but I guess the other, the other property we got was 50. You know, it's a short sale. And uh, I got it for 50. I'm putting probably 70 into it, and it's worth like one seventy, one eighty. Um, but it's very street specific. That particular one, the, the short sale is on an Orthodox Jewish uh, area street. There's only four streets in Cleveland Heights where the Orthodox live. And it's because the Hebrew school is there. It's, it's very, very street specific. If you're, someone's like, hey, on bigger pockets, the big question is like, hey, what do you think about Cleveland Heights? I'm like, well, there's like fucking eight different areas and they have like so many different demographics and like reasons why they're good and why they're bad and why they won't cash flow. Um, but it's, you know, I can find deals there all day because John has gotten familiar with the building department, you know, the housing, they, they know who we are. They're familiar with us. So it's an important thing to, thing to, to be in an area where you can quickly run numbers and know that things are good deals. That was Yeah. So I mean, if I buy a house in, in let's say Shaker Heights, Shaker Heights has the most stringent escrow requirement. 
and it's called point of sale. So basically, when you buy a house in Cleveland Heights or Shaker Heights, the city actually imposes upon you, the buyer, to correct these point of sale violations uh, before you sell the house. So if you're, you own a house in Cleveland Heights, but there's like paint flaking off in the front, the city's gonna go there and say, well, the buyer is gonna have to escrow 1,200 bucks and you have to paint this house or else you know, you're not gonna close or you have to escrow the money. So until you do those point of sale violations, they're not gonna release that escrow money. So it imposes an extra requirement on investors, but it also, for the city, it makes sure that their rehabs aren't done shittily. It makes sure that people can't go in there and just slap a coat of paint on and just sell the house. The city still has to send a housing department. I mean, go ahead and tell them how Ashton went last week, because that's, that's an important. We, did, we put $100,000 into this house. Uh, well, we're, I thought you were talking about Shaker. Shaker. Yeah, the way they operate their point of sale is a little bit different. But, uh, well, with Cleveland Heights, uh, I think that was nine pages of violations uh, that we got on that, on that property. The way I look at it, most of the violations are are taken care of throughout the renovation of the property. You know, uh, the big things were on this property. Uh, they want me to tear the dry, the uh, garage down, replace the pad, which means the footers for the garage also. Okay, so now if you have a car and a half garage now in Cleveland Heights, you have to put up at least a two-car garage. That's code. So you have to, you know, bigger, better now. If there's any cracks in the driveway, you have they have to be either repaired somehow, or you have to get rid of the uh, you take them out, put a new driveway in. So when we first got this property here, and Jared kept asking, "Are we going to be okay? Are we going to be okay?" But I knew just by looking at the garage that. My one guy, he is so good as a framer that he, we could go in there, repair it, and satisfy the city. And now with the slab, it was really bad. So I'm showing them the pictures. Are you showing the them pictures? I said, just be, don't worry about it. So I waited to the, almost the very end. Like the house was under contract. We're closing in 10 days. The but it was weather, too. I had a weather. weather. But I waited to the end because I knew what I do is I take the inspector in the front door. So he sees what we did. He was amazed at the house because he actually did the point of sale. And when they walk in, they see the job that we did inside the house. It's like they forget everything. So when I walked him to the backyard, I says, oh, and by the way, you know, I, did, I decided not to tear the garage down, but we repaired it. No problem. He, he agreed on everything, everything that I did. So instead of spending another $15,000, it cost us about a thousand bucks to do the driveway, the garage, Besides the roof, that was something the owners wanted. But it was so we. I spent about a thousand dollars instead of fifteen thousand dollars to save this. But that's just a game that I, not a. I shouldn't say a game. I just knew how it would work. I know what they'll accept. Uh, there's there was no reason to tear this garage down, and I would argue the fact uh, why we shouldn't tear it down. And the way we repaired it, when he saw how we re, we repaired all the sill plates, we sistered all new two by fours, and we made everything sound again. It was structurally fine, so. But we saved a lot of money yeah. doing so. Do you have to deal with point of sale? <laughs> Not really, because I have property management. The project manager I hired deals with all the point of sale yeah. stuff. So That's we'll, the short answer to this question. Like, right. the, the contractor will, ha you're not gonna be calling the city, the contractor's gonna be like, hey, can you file this paperwork? No, yeah. the contractor's gotta be expected. It all depends all how you set up your team on the ground. So yeah. You can be as 
as involved or as little involved as you want to be. Um, I just set it up to be completely passive and I have you know, somebody on the ground. Yeah, you still have to handle the point of sale. So when you buy a property, you still got to put 30 grand in escrow, which we just did for a project in Maple. And in Maple? Yeah. Maple Heights? Yeah. Wow. I know. 30 grand? Yeah. Wow. The houses go for 30 grand. 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, wow. Then, so, but yeah, it depends how you, how you set up your team. And if you can have somebody on the ground to handle that, please do it. Don't do it yourself. Cause it's a whole like game. You've got to play with those guys. And if you have a relationship or have a rapport yeah. with the guys who are doing the inspection, you're going to fly right through the yeah. POS inspection. Instead of some guy from California handling it over the phone, giving you a lockbox code. Right. They're going to be a little bit less friendly. Yeah. And I think what I've seen us, our success has, or the little success that we've had, is when we, you know, John meets these inspectors on a daily basis because when we buy the house, sometimes they're there. And when we sell the house, you know, he's gotten familiarity with the city so often. So he sees them, they recognize him. They don't, they, they don't know me, but if you're an out-of-state investor, the best thing you could do is probably just fly to the city, walk through the city, get to know the housing department, get to know the building department, yeah. shake their hand, look them in the eye, but say, hey, my name is Raymond. My name is Rick. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an out-of-state investor, but I'm starting to do a project on, you know, 123 Main Street. And I just want to just introduce myself so I'm familiar with, like, the codes and what you guys expect. They will respect <coughs> the hell out of you for that. And if it comes to the end of the inspection, I've made really damn sure either on the phone, because they've met me on the phone, but they've met me face-to-face, -face, but they know John's my guy. Yeah. So when they see John, you know. I've also met subcontractors there. And that's how I picked up a few, because if you go into the city and you're, you're going to talk to the housing inspector or whoever, there's subcon or contractors there pulling permits. And you could, cities are not allowed to give out their cards, at least in our area, they can't. Uh, but you can you could sit there and you could you know talk to the guys. You can maybe five different concrete guys. You can get their card. And if they're going to pull a permit, they're half legit. They, they've got to be somewhat legit if they're pulling a that's permit, really right? So, I mean, that's a start, you know, for everybody going to the city. And if you have to hang out there, you hang out there for a little bit. Sometimes you have to wait, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to wait. You have, you have to wait 45 minutes in Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So some guys are sitting there waiting. Yeah. They're good. They just, you know, it's a process they have to go through. So, um, it's getting, I mean, what time is it, man? Yeah. I mean, we, I, we have two hours to chill. I mean, I had a nice little presentation. We get to go through pictures all day, answer questions. Yeah. That's all over. Uh, I mean, do you meet them face to face? You don't. Is it over the phone, or how, how do you meet your contractors? It would be over the phone. Over the phone. Ask them if they've worked with investors before. Yeah. That's a really good uh, work with. How many projects? What's their capacity? Right. Do they have a Do they have a team? Do they have employees? Yeah. Did they, do they use? Yeah. Do they sub everything out? Can we start tomorrow? Do they require their subcontractors? to have a 
um, their liability insurance. So they keep a certificate of liability on their subcontractors. Okay, that's, that's important too, because if you have a general contractor like myself, I have liability insurance. But if I have a sub, bid, the plumber goes in and is soldering some copper and burns down like Notre Dame, like they just had over in France or wherever it was. You know, God forbid it was a contractor that did that. My sub has to have insurance, so that's very important. And if he has employees, do they have workman's comp? Uh, just all those basic needs that you have to have to run a legit company. You know, and then obviously people that he's done work for recently. Referrals. Uh, but that paperwork is very important. The other thing too is like, how can you, I'm an out-of-state investor, how can you keep me updated on the, the project? So, you know, if they have a, uh, like an Android that doesn't have a camera on it and they can't send you photos and they need to do all this other stuff or like my guys have iPhones so they can just take photos and send it right to me through iMessage it comes up on my computer so that kind of little nitty-gritty stuff is just gonna save you a lot of time because a lot of the guys don't even have like an electronic them to send you the bid they all write it on paper and they take these blurry photos and they try to send it to you and you're like, you can't read it so yeah <laughs> can you send me a yeah, can you send me an example of your bid and if it's on a you know it's on their bed and they take a photo yeah 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 we're like moving walls and stuff and yeah high-end appliances yeah yeah like we took out a bedroom and installed what yeah 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 so so there's a YouTube video I just did. I can send you guys the link, not on my channel, my other. It, we're like halfway done with the split, but we took the entire first floor into open concept, and all we're going to have is these two uh, columns. But the city had to come in and do like a framing inspection and all this like complicated stuff. Um, so typically, with a rental property, you are not doing any of that. I mean, maybe if you really want to like open up the kitchen or whatever, and you have like a. <laughs> no, there's no way. Uh, there's no point, you know, it's like unless you can raise rents, unless you're raising rents $200, $300, there's no point in doing something specific. So, you know, there, it's very rehab specific. It's way easier for him to say, I'm going to just put carpet in if it's a rental. You know, I'm just putting carpet in. But like as a flip, like, you know, your realtor is going to be able to tell you, yeah, buyers expect this. You know, the, the realtors who deal with buyers and sellers are going to know, especially in that zip code, that area, what buyers expect. Like this flip we're doing in Shaker, it's like super high end. People are like lawyers and doctors and very successful and they're kind of more ostentatious. I grew up there, so I know people who went to Shaker Heights are, you know, they're just a little bit more showy, which is fine. And so I know what kind of fixtures to put in. I know to do like blue stuff. People buy that for, you know, so I, I know I can do some bells and whistles in those like, um, Wi-Fi deadbolts, you know, I can hook up Wi-Fi to Alexa, which hopefully we'll do, and that flip, you know, people turn in, hey, turn the lights on, and it's like, oh, sweet. That kind of stuff can only be done, you don't want to over-rehab a property. I've definitely done it, even like Ashton, we probably over-rehabbed, but like, each property is unique, especially in these 100-year-old properties, and when you look at a floor plan, there's only so much you can do. If you can't move plumbing, you can't move electric, you can't move certain walls, you know, each room has to make sense. Um, I'll, I mean, the floor plan just has to make sense. Like when you're doing a flip, 
you know, you could say all day, like, I want the same paint color in all my rooms, I want the same carpet, but like, you know, I'm doing a flip right now, the sale price is 420, as opposed to like, you know, some of these things that would be selling at 180, I can go to Home Depot and get everything. And now I'm ordering stuff off House, and House is cool too, by the way. I mean, I started getting like, yeah, yeah. We, we ordered a fucking tub off them, and every single time we get it delivered, there's a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so ordering stuff online is tricky, but you get uh, a trade rep there. I'm giving them more chances, because House is insane. Like, they'll build a whole cart for you. You can get on the phone with them. This girl, she's like my whole trade rep there. I get all sorts of percentage discounts for being a contractor. All you have to do to get a house discount is you send in your uh, liability insurance. They make sure that you're a legitimate company. Boom, you get at better discounts than most people would get online for things like, because sometimes I'm calling in like, hey, I want, show me some light fixtures that are really popular. I want them copper, I want them, you know, I want ba bathroom light fixtures that are copper, and they'll go through and they'll build a cart for you while you're on the phone. Their customer service is really, really good. And their headquarters is here in Irvine. So like, I don't know if you guys have driven past the house building on 405, yeah. And they have, they're a ridiculously huge company. So if you are ordering like higher end stuff, it's a good place to start, at least to read reviews, make sure that a, a manufacturer is reputable. Cause like this thing, I'll straight up call them out. It's AKDY, they're really good. Uh, fixture, like bathroom fixture manufacturer, tubs, faucets, but they're in London, so like sometimes by the time they come to Cleveland Heights, Ohio, the tubs are cracked. So that stuff happens, but they refunded us and they sent us a new tub and like very, very responsive and they give you the opportunity to inspect materials, which Home Depot doesn't really do. A lot of the times you get a pallet full of drywall and it's all fucked up on the side or you know, you're getting paint and it's the wrong color or something. That stuff happens very often, especially when you order stuff at Lowe's and you go to pick it up and they're like, well, wrong size tub, of course. Some you know, guy on the floor just threw the wrong tub on the thing and now you have to mess with it. But when you call house, you know, uh, they deliver it, there's like little uh, sensors on it to make sure that they're intact, and you actually check the sensor, you sign a form, you know, because it's usually it's $5,000, $7,000 worth of inventory we buy, we buy all the vanities, all the light fixtures, all the tubs, all that at once for a house. And so when John is there, he gets a chance to make sure it's good, and if it's not, he just sends it back. It's pretty easy. So that kind of stuff has, you know, been good for us. But again, dude, rental properties, the material list should be very basic. I mean. Antoine, I don't know if you want to go through like a basic materialist for like rental properties, but like it's, it's got to be super basic porcelain tile, 12 by 24s that I've seen you do in bathrooms. Super easy stuff to install that's going to be quick, that can be replicated, that you can buy at Home Depot, right? Like, you know, a same paint color, um, you know. You know, Jared kind of knows the neighborhood and knows what he should put in to get the AMP. But if you're new too, I would get your real list that property involved in the project as well. So before you even close, before you even buy that property, show him the list that you're gonna do and what, what your vision is for the property, what you're gonna put into the property. Then he can give you an accurate ARV or what he thinks he can sell it for. And he'll tell you, no, you need to spend, you need to spend the extra money to put in the hardwood. Or, no, you're spending too much, that's not gonna help with the ARV. So pull that person in, in the beginning um, and having, having a realtor on your team out of state if you are flipping is gonna be key as well. It's gonna, that's going to be your property management if it were the rental side. A point where like the rehab comes from like pretty easy to difficult and I would say that point is can you buy all your shit at Home Depot? If you can't then and you're talking about going to like get custom stone cut and you're getting someone to source your cabinets. You're going to be working with someone who's like you know designing cabinets for the first time. You're not really sure if they're good. If they mess up that's a really big deal because cabinets are expensive. Um, you know 
Uh, and, but again, with the realtor too, they'll, they'll say, oh, you should finish this basement. It'll be a really good idea. Um, you should refinish this hardwood floor or we should put laminate over these hardwood floors, which we've done. Sometimes hardwood floors are too messed up to fix up. We just put laminate over it. Um, so those decisions are gonna help you with the realtor, but like if you can buy everything at Home Depot, which I'm, I'm looking forward to doing our three unit, you know, to just, you just get the cabinets at Home Depot, it's so easy. But like stuff is wrong, stuff is not placed right, stuff is scratched. A lot of times you'll get stuff at Home Depot that's damaged and you'll have to go back and, you know, so if you can get everything there without having to like go to house or any sort of like local building supplier for stuff, that's the key. Yeah, in Cleveland, I would say the difference is like when you get to like that 200K mark, when you're doing a, a house, you flip it for like 180, you can still get, you know, basic cabinets, a basic piece of granite cut. Uh, but when you're going above 200, at least in some areas, you're gonna have to go a little bit nicer. Farm sinks, custom, you know, tile in the bathrooms. Not 900 bucks for a farm sink like we did in our Ashton house. Yeah. But the, the biggest expense that we run into, honestly, I mean, we're, we're buying 100-year-old houses, you know. I mean, Antoine, Antoine the majority of the houses you, you're, you're buying are built from probably late 40s to late 60s, right? Yeah. So they're like similar building codes, similar floor plans, bungalow, like ranch. They're all the same. Like, yeah. So we, we bought, I mean, there's plaster and lath and, you know, really, really bad basement mold and uh, complete roof tear-offs that just really, you, once you open them up, there's so many more issues, like the insulation has mouse shit all over it, and you have to replace all them. There's real stuff that, I mean, it, we had to exterminate mice at one of our houses last week, and now we're worried about the insulation. So, you know, the problems that we run into in a 100-year-old house are different than, you know, getting a, and that's the best advice for like a first flip. It's like, just get something built in the 50s, where you're just doing kitchens, bathrooms, paint, and you're not gonna be dealing with, like Ashton was built in 1918, you know, Belvoir is built in 65. It's super easy to be over there. So, you know, the, the year built and the area. This building know. I ever worked on was 1867 it was built in. This restaurant had a fire and uh, it was post and being. This was about six, seven years ago I did it. And uh, half the building burned down. So my one guy that still works for me, the carp, uh, he's a framer. He was able to incorporate new framing along with the old framing, and we expose a lot of the old post and beam inside the restaurant diner now, and it turned out really nice. So, I mean, we've that was an old building to incorporate new construction with it and try to keep the two together and keep the city happy at the same time, but we were able to do it. So that's the oldest building that I've ever worked on. About 1867 it was built.